The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Museum Life with Carol Bossert. Museums are important whether we work in them, for them, or simply love visiting them. Throughout history, people have collected things and put them on display to enjoy. But today's museums offer much more than rooms filled with stuff. They provide places to learn and share experiences with family and friends, as well as sanctuaries to unplug, rest, and refresh. On today's show, we'll discuss how museums can remain relevant and sustainable, reach out to new audiences, and remain attuned to cultural and technological trends. Now, here's your host, Carol Bossert. Good morning. This is Carol Bossert welcoming you to Museum Life. Uh, Getting close to the end of the year. This is certainly not uh, the last show of the year, but uh, uh, getting close. And it's certainly feeling cold here in Washington. So the holiday spirit is is upon us. Um, I have a great guest for you today, a fellow that I just met when I was at the Museum Computer Network Conference about a a little over a month ago. Uh, Those of you who have been listening regularly this past few weeks know that I've really been highlighting and showcasing uh, the MCN conference. Can't wait for all of you to uh, meet me next year in uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, it'll be a great conference. But today I have with me uh, Paul Burke. Paul is the CEO and co-founder of Guru, uh, a technology media company that uh, works with museums and nonprofits. Uh, Paul's company has just also uh, just recently landed a, a, a collaborative uh, relationship with the Smithsonian Institute. So congratulations on that, Paul, and welcome to Thanks, the show. Paul. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be on. Uh Paul, uh, why don't you share your career path uh, in your own words with our audience so we get a chance to get to know you a little bit better? Sure, yeah. I wound up working with museums in a very roundabout way. I think if you'd asked me even five years ago if I'd be here, I'd tell you you're probably a little bit crazy. Um, My background's actually in finance, so I'm originally from Chicago, live in San Diego now. and so I, I worked at the Board of Trade as a trader for many years. Uh, as people have seen in the movies, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it's a, it's a pretty chaotic uh, place to be, but it's also quite a bit of fun. And I worked for a couple other um, trading firms, trading equities and stocks uh, for, for some time. And, you know, one of the things about trading is the, especially uh, originally my day started very early and it, and it ended early too. So around 2 p.m. every day, um, I was done with work. And so I had to find some, some other you know, positive ways to, to use my time. And so I started, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart, started my first business. That was, you know, it was a 
failure, but I started my first business at 17. Uh, so I've always, always had the, the entrepreneurial spirit. And uh, so I started investing sort of as an angel investor in, in several startups. Uh, it really gave me the, the, the hunger to, to get back and, and start my own, my own business and help create jobs and, and things like that. So uh, we started Guru almost two years ago now. It's March of 2015. Uh, so we're, we're coming up on our, our two-year anniversary. This is our first calendar year fully in business. That was a nice little milestone for us. So I guess we have two more weeks to get through, but um, yeah, it's, been, it's been fun so far. Well, congratulations. You know, startups are... Uh, uh, are not for the faint of heart. Uh, I understand completely. My my husband uh, has been working uh, in uh, biotech startups his entire career, and so I do know firsthand how very exciting that can be. But uh, I think if you you pass the two year mark, you are are well well on your way. So congratulations. What, Thank um, you. You know, so what were I, you have a fabulous story that I I'd like you to share with with our audience about how what really gave you the inspiration for this you know the particular focus of this business. Sure. So um, I'm the youngest of of eight children, um, and so my I'm actually closer in age to some of my nieces nieces and nephews. I've got 19 nieces and nephews. I'm closer in age to some of them. So I am some of my siblings, and a few years ago, my oldest niece and my second oldest nephew were doing a year abroad in college in, in France, and so I flew over to Europe and took them to Rome, uh, where we had a cousin living for our uh, or for their spring break. And so, as everyone does, we went from museum to museum to museum. We, I think we walked seven or eight hours every day, um, and they were like 17 and 19 at the time. And I was getting more and more frustrated because you know, they were constantly looking at their phones while we were in the museums, and I was having trouble getting them to engage. They didn't want to do the, you know, the old audio tour you know, headsets that they hand out. My nephew thought they were boring, and my niece said they were gross because so many people had touched them before her. Uh, so you know, I was doing everything I could to get them to really engage with, with what are really some spectacular places. And finally, we were at the the Coliseum, and you know, I, found, I finally sort of got, got upset. I was like, look, guys, you may never get a chance to go come back here. Please engage. Please take advantage of this. You know, store this in your memory bank. Don't be looking at your phones. My, my nephew turned his phone around, and he was actually Googling information about the Coliseum while we were there. And that's really when the light bulb went off. I said, you know, the museum experience hasn't really changed in a long time, and you know, the Coliseum should be archaic, but the way in which we get our information and interact with it doesn't need to be. Like, wall labels are pretty much the same technology that the Egyptians used, and you know, audio tours haven't really changed in, in 60 or so years. So um, that was really the, the first inspiration uh, to, to sort of start asking, why hasn't this changed? Um, and, and then so you know, from there I started researching the space and seeing you know, what, what, what had been around, what had worked, what hadn't worked. Um, and I was just you know, pretty shocked to see that there weren't a lot of great solutions out there. And, and everyone I talked to, like, you know, from friends and family that, about this business I wanted to start, it's like, well, someone must have done this already. And it's like, well, some people have tried, but it really hasn't been done that successfully. So that was, that was the original 
inspiration uh, for the company. That's a, that's a wonderful story and, again, highlights how personal experiences really do uh, create our inspiration and, and propel us in, in new and, and different ways. Uh, I really uh, want to delve into your, your thoughts about uh, how you know cell phone applications have been out there for a while. There for a while they were you know the big new shiny thing. Uh, I can't remember you know which of my uh, my colleagues uh, said once that the uh, you know who's head of a digital uh, program at a major museum said the worst thing for him is when his director comes back from a business trip and has sat next to someone you know in a digital uh, capacity and comes back and says you know the coolest thing we should be doing and then you know you sort of fill in the blank and right. i i uh, really want to want to get your your thoughts uh on you know why things didn't work and why what you're doing isn't just you know one big new shiny project uh i know it's not but i i want to give you the opportunity to defend that statement but before i do and in this first segment of the show what uh, and I warned you I would do this. I've been asking all of my MCN colleagues the question of the month, and that and the question of the month is, what does digital mean to you? Uh, so I, I did give a little bit of thought, and really the first thing that came to my mind was it, it means opportunity. Um, it's an opportunity to. The digital platforms can move and adjust so quickly. It's an opportunity to try new things and to, you know, it's okay from a startup world, it's okay to try and fail. You just want to fail fast. Uh, and so you want to learn quickly and try new things and then, you know, see what works and see what doesn't. And digital really gives you the opportunity to move very, very quickly and try new things. And that also, as far as the opportunity goes, you know, I think about all the ways that digital can can be a, a business tool, which I, I can you know, touch on later as well. But it's really, when I, the first thing that really popped my mind is it's, it's really opportunity is what it means to me and, and, and for museums as well. That's a great, great answer uh, because it embodies so much of what this digital uh, uh change has has meant to museums who as we know they're they're beloved to you and beloved to me but uh uh that crack you made about the egyptians isn't all that far off really and that that <laughs> right. the great thing about museums is that we move at a glacial sp- at glacial pace and and uh, maybe that says more about our personalities than our our organizations but uh i I do think that that's one reason that some of these this digital milieu has become challenging for the field at large because it does move at a pace that we are not accustomed to. So I think that that's a you know your 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 entrepreneurial statement of fail you know fail but fail fast uh, right. is it embodies a level of risk that I would suspect that you found that many of your clients aren't really quite uh, comfortable with. Certainly, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a risk-averse feeling in the space, but in in reality, what what I'm saying is it really lowers the amount of risk because if you... If you're failing quickly, you're, you're making, you're realizing something's not working, you can make an adjustment quickly. 
then you're, you're really mitigating your risk. So it's, it's, it's a sort of risk mitigation tool in that way. Um, so, you know, we, I obviously have probably a, a higher tolerance for risk from my background and all the jobs I've had. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's the risk management aspect of it that, that's really, really key. And so it's figuring out a way to, to maximize your returns by mini- minimizing your potential losses, um, whether it's that's a financial uh, outlook or an, you know, creating an experience um, and whatever it may be. That's, that's, that's the big name of the game is just mitigating risk. That's a really good observation, and honestly, I never really uh, quite thought about it in that, that way. So thank you for, for that insight. Uh, so let's get back uh, you know, you, to, to your business. Uh, you've obviously did a lot of homework before you, uh, uh, you, you took on this venture. And I know um, both because you told me and Nick Honeyset told me that, that you had had a, a really important conversation with him. And, you know, Nick was on the show uh, just last week. He's one of my, my favorite people and so eloquent uh, to talk in this area. But I, so I, I don't think he'll mind if you share uh, some of that discussion and the insights uh, that he gave you uh, about the museum field and uh, your, where you were, were trying to uh, create a business that would support it. Yep. Nick is, is exceptionally eloquent, so following in his footsteps a week later, uh, it was a little, little bit of a daunting task, but um, <laughs> I can try to sound you know, sort of half as, as interesting as he does. And he has the benefit of the accent, you know, which, I, which I don't get <laughs> either. Um, but yeah, so it, it, you know, a, lot of, a lot of what's happened is, is really luck. Um, and you know, that's a lot of hard work. Uh, but then there's always luck involved like any sort of uh, even mild success. So we, uh, a couple sort of chance meetings, uh, I was still very new to San Diego at the time, a couple of chance meetings uh, got me an introduction to Nick and um, you know, I had breakfast with him and you know, I gave him my little, my little pitch at the time. And, and I had, I'd spent about nine months really in the last few intensively researching the space and all the different companies and seeing what's worked, what hasn't, you know, successes, failures, all, all that. And so I had breakfast with Nick and so right away I sort of give him my little pitch and, and he turns his head to the side and looks at me and he's like very, very skeptical of all this. And he went on to talk about 45 minutes straight telling me every reason why I shouldn't go, I should not do this. Uh, it's, I'm bound to fail. These are all the reasons why. These are the other companies he's seen fail. And so, you know, when we're together now and he tells a story, he's like, I was sure I was crushing, you know, this young man's dreams. Uh, when in reality, he, Nick probably saved us a year and a million dollars worth of, worth of failures. Um, he gave us a really, really good roadmap to, to be successful. Um, he definitely made our business slightly more difficult and more complicated. And you know, his big message uh, was really around content. And that's something that we had sort of seen as well, that there have been decent technologies out there. Um, but you know, how old is the saying now? Like, content is king. And that's true all the time. And, you know, in, in every, in every industry, content is really what drives things. And so while, 
we have a large technology team, you know, we really we don't see apps or or technology as the the be all and end all. We really just see it as a tool um, to to enhance visitor experience, to enhance business opportunities, um, and to deliver content the way, for better or for worse, people today want their content delivered. You know, everything is done through people's phones. It's an expectation at this point. So if that's what people are used to and that's how they're used to engaging, um, I think you need to meet people where they are. Uh, so that's, yeah, is, he, he thought he was sort of crushing the whole guru dream at that point, but I think when, after he saw us uh, you know, sort of take everything he said to heart and, and, and turn it into opportunity, and then we delivered a couple things, you know, Nick ended up joining our board, which to me made everything really come full circle and helped really validate us. So, you know, he's obviously very respected in the space and, and people look to him uh, for, for what to do. So it's, it was a big honor for us. And, and I think a testament to the hard work that we did that he went from telling me a reason why I couldn't work to actually joining our board. That, you know, that too is, is a, is a fabulous story and, and thank you for sharing it. I, uh, you know, I, I, when you and I talked, and, and certainly in the years that I've been involved with various clients and you know, looking at, at various applications and the, the ideas of, of trying to create, you know, the next best app, uh, the number of false starts, I think, has been legend. Uh, and, and I think one of the things, too, right before we go to break, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this, um, you know, uh, to me, it, it, there are sometimes there are people that maybe don't understand the the core concept of of content as you do. But I think the other thing is working with clients with museums who maybe aren't as comfortable about giving up control, because you know just as your your nephew was doing, he was getting the content he wanted, whether the museum had been pushing it out or not. Uh, and that that can be very cha- uh, very uh, uncomfortable for some some museums who want to sort of keep keep everything within their umbrella. Do you find that? Yeah, absolutely. It's one of our biggest challenges. Um, but you know, the our apps are filled with days of content, so that it's reasons for people to keep going back. And one of our, our first partner of San Diego Museum of Art, there are hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of paintings and, and pieces of and works of art that are available with audio and video and text in the app. And the biggest complaint we get about that app is they still want more content. They want every single item in the museum to be in there. So it's an enormous amount of work. We've got a full creative staff that just just creates content. And so you know, we, what we try to be is a a net resource ad for all of our museum partners. So I haven't met a museum yet that really isn't sort of understaffed and overworked, right? I mean, people who go to museums generally aren't doing it for a huge paycheck. They're passionate about what they're doing. And so, you know, they're, they're working really, really hard. So adding a whole digital layer to your museum is almost like building another museum. It's just housed in a phone as opposed to in a large building, but it has, a lot of times even more content. So doubling the amount of content output or, or expecting your team to double the amount of content output just isn't realistic. So we created a team to work with them. And the way I 
we've got a bunch of expert storytellers and people who are experts at creating digital content, which is its own animal. But all the real, all the best information comes from the museum. So I, I sort of liken our creative teams to um, gold miners and the museum, the people who are there, people who have been in the museum for years and years, uh, they're the ones who really have the gold. So it's our goal, it's our job to go in and sort of mine that gold. And by the time, we'll tell one other quick story. The first time, um, you know, Peter from the, the COO of the Stadium Museum of Art, he gave, gave my team a tour of the art museum. And I, I'd always found art museums to be intimidating and not, not you know, I'm decently intelligent and, and well-educated, but I never felt like I belonged in an art museum. And Dieter took us on a tour that I assume he gives to all the do- you know potential donors. And um, I was so pumped up by the end of this tour. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love art. I never knew how cool this was. I never knew all these amazing stories. And then I went back the next day, and not a single thing that Dieter told me was available if I wasn't walking with him. And so that's, that was one, one of the things that really struck me. And so what we, what we strive to do is... We leverage the curators, we leverage the docents, we leverage the executives, we leverage everyone that we can to get these stories. And so the app sort of becomes the every man's VIP tour from a content perspective. Um, that's, and so, that's so, fabulous. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to interrupt you. We've got to take a short break, and I want to sort of leave us on that, that, uh, that wonderful statement, and I hope it's your, uh, your tagline for Guru, you know, where we create every, every uh, person's uh, VIP tour for everyone. Uh, yeah. But we'll, uh, I think that's fabulous. We're, uh, so I interrupted your train of thought. We will be back in a moment. Paul has so much more to share uh, with us and with me. And so please stay tuned. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. We will be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Carol Bossert established CB Services, LLC because she believes in the societal value of museums. Exhibitions are a primary way that museums deliver this value, providing places for exploration, renewal, and conversation. Good exhibitions begin with good content. And at CB Services, we are all about the content. CB Services helps organizations identify, shape, and document the ideas and stories that form the foundation of a successful exhibit. We provide tools that help our clients make good decisions throughout the exhibition development process and get the most out of collaborations with architects and exhibit designers. CB Services offers half-day and day-long workshops to get staff, boards, and communities ready for an exhibition project. Call today to schedule a workshop. CB Services also offers a one-hour free consultation to organizations no matter where they are in the exhibition development process. Visit carolbossertservices.com. Reach out to Carol through Twitter or LinkedIn or call her directly at 240-432-7712. 
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com you're tuned into museum life with carol bosser to reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bosser at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert, and I am here today talking with Paul Burke, who is the CEO of a company called Guru. Uh, Paul, I hope you uh, tell us in a minute, uh, you know, the impetus for the name of that, uh, the name of your company. But uh, Paul's company develops uh, uh, media, particularly apps, uh, that help uh, museum goers feel that they are all getting the special VIP tour that the director gives and can only give a few uh, handful of people because there are only so many hours in a day. Paul and his group is making that uh, available for everyone. So uh, I, I, I just I love that. I hope you use that as your tagline. We yeah we don't use it as, as the tagline right now, but maybe we should should. You know, bring it on. I usually, I usually will say it in, in, in meetings. And, and to touch on one more thing that we were talking about before and the museum's concern with sort of outsourcing some of the content creation, we really do work alongside. We, we don't refer to any museums as our, as our clients. We refer to all of them as our partners. Um, and so you know, we do really work hand-in-hand with them, and we don't you know, sort of sit on our own island totally separated from them. Every, every bit of content, that we create uh, has a you know, goes through a process where it's it's all approved. So nothing we don't put anything out that um, the museum doesn't sign off on. So I think that's a really important distinction too, and it creates more work for us in all honesty. But again, you know, it's very important for us that the entire entire team at the museum you know stands behind the app, and it's something that they're proud of as well. Thank you for for sharing that. I do think that that is is incredibly important uh, to know and for visitors uh, to begin to know. Uh, museums are still hold a, a relatively rare and cherished place place in the hearts of of many people in that they. They see that this is a place to get authentic and quote true information, and I think uh, in a in an age where we keep hearing more and more about fake news and right. and how that just can you know, infuse all of our uh, uh, sources uh, that that we where we get information, uh, I think it's even more important that that you and your company and our are standing behind and helping museums maintain that uh, that tr- that uh, that sort of gold standard of authentic information. Definitely, yeah, and, and you know it's going it's backwards again. And I was talking about some of the, the inspirations. Yeah, I was very fortunate. My father was in the Navy for a while, and then he was an attorney. But you know, he traveled the world in the Navy, and he you know, really got really realized what an amazing educational opportunity travel is and, and going to museums all over them and historical places. And so I was really infused with that quest for knowledge and, and to learn about history. So that's a, 
a big part of this for us is making, you know, we, we want to encourage that. I think you know, the more you can learn from history, obviously, the better. Um, but it's very important to us, uh, alongside the museum's mission, is to to inspire, create those aha moments or those moments where people are like, oh man, maybe I want to be a scientist. I didn't even know. I didn't. I didn't know this or whatever. Whatever it might be. Um, you know, that's that's a big part of our mission as well. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and and again, uh, just to underscore uh, that. So many of my guests, uh, particularly those who said, well, you know, I never thought I'd be in a museum, and that includes me. Uh, I never thought I'd work in a museum or work for a museum. Uh, You know, we've come to love it because we were fortunate enough to uh, be privileged to have families who felt that it was important to give us those opportunities, and so museums became part of our daily lives and something that we really cherished, and now we're able able as you are to to give back i i wanted to delve in uh i want to hear more about your business model and and what you do but you said something that i've heard many um many people say but i haven't actually uh you know delved into the question you you talked about creating content for digital platforms or you know i think you use the term digital content is different that there, there are some you know, special considerations when creating content for digital platforms that, you know, it's unlike any other kind of medium or, or, or certainly some of the media that we see in museums uh, up to this time. What did you mean by that? What makes it special or distinct? Uh, and I, I wish I could give you that formula. I'm, you know, guru, Guru's limited success thus far is a product of our team completely. And so... Our chief creative officer, Paul Shockley, and our you know, head writer and co-creative team has really, I, I let them run with it. You know, I've been very fortunate to find really amazing people to build the Guru team. So they're experts at that. Uh, you know, as far as like, creativity goes, I find you know, drawing stick figures to be a challenge. So, um, you know, as far, as far as all that goes, I, wouldn't, I can't really hold a candle to any explanation they could give you. I just know that you know, they are, they're very, very good at it, and I'm more repeating what they have said to me about how different it is, about, you know, whether you're reading something in a book or you're getting audio delivered to you or video on your phone versus a larger screen. They've just, there's a lot of rules around and, and, and sort of best practices to make it more appealing, make it more effective, things along those lines. But I... I don't have those talents myself. Well, and 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 thank you for uh, you know for sharing that as well. I I, I believe it's a mark of a good leader uh, to uh, acknowledge uh, the other people in their teams and their and their specialties and their strengths and weaknesses and your strengths and weaknesses. And so I can see uh, another reason why your uh, why your business is going well is is you have those uh, those special leadership qualities of understanding. Uh, respect and, and sharing sharing for others, but I was I was hoping that we might talk a little bit. We started to talk a little bit about this during the break. That it, 
you know, here you are, uh, you know, you went to Nick and you said, hey, I want to be another one of those companies that makes apps right. for, uh, for museums because, oh boy, that hasn't been done before. And of course, Nick probably told you, and I could share with you uh, personal experiences as well, um, I know of clients uh, and museums who have spent hundreds if not thousands of dollars and countless resources and hours to create an app that has a map on it um so you know or or maybe they created a, a you know they thought they were creating something interactive but after a while it couldn't be updated or you know there was some other problem so you know it doesn't take long if you're at a museum conference to say the word app and you get start getting some of those awful war stories and you know shaking the head of never again what a mess so one how do you combat you know i uh it, in your business practice, how do you combat that? But more, why why didn't they work in the past? And why is yours, uh, you know, maybe charting new and, and positive territory? Yeah, well, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of different answers here. Again, the, I think the most basic one is not having a lot of rich and engaging content. Um, and then... There are a plethora of other reasons. One, sort of simplicity to use. Um, one of the main things, and this is sort of where luck comes in, is the technology hasn't been there. Um, you know, as far as, you know, we, we use beacons. A lot of people have tried using beacons, and a lot of the first six months of our development was really just around creating our proprietary algorithms that make beacons work. Anyone can buy a beacon and install it. It's not going to work that well. Um, and there's a lot of expertise and work that goes into that, and one of our lead developers literally has his PhD on um, the type of beacon that we use. So it's, it's not simple. And, and then, so as you said, there's museums will put together capital campaigns. And I've heard horror stories of like $2 million plus spent on apps that don't get released because they never worked. Um, and so you know, the, there's these capital campaigns. And so there's one big upfront cost and there's a lot of risk associated with that, right? So it's like there's not a there's not a fail fast with that. It's we're going to raise you know maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars, put it into this. It's going to take a lot of these companies six, seven, eight months to develop it. It's going to be you're going to have a date. It's going to be delivered late usually, um, or you do it internally, and it's sort of like you, you wouldn't go out and and build your own museum. Like you wouldn't actually take on the construction process yourself. You hire a an expert to do that. So that's another, another thing we see is a lot of, there's 3,000 apps released a day. So it seems very simple and anyone could hypothetically create an app, but you're not going to create a very good one because that's not, that's not your expertise. Um, and then, you know, so again, some of the other issues we saw, it's hard enough to get people to download one app. We see some museums that have two, three, four, five, six, seven apps. Uh, so they sort of become these one-trick ponies uh, so these are you know, a lot of the things we saw. And then, as you mentioned, apps that don't get updated, uh, they become static. The, they're not, you know, the, they don't get updated from a technology standpoint or a uh, content uh, standpoint. So you might you might say you're standing in front of one painting when really the painting's been moved to four galleries over. So you know, these are all the things that we saw over and over again. So we tried to develop a business model 
around a partnership versus um, sort of a, you know, being a vendor, uh, a one-time vendor. We want a longer-term partnership where you know, we'll come in, um, we charge nothing up front, we get paid only after the app is successfully launched, um, and then we have longer-term contracts with all of our partners. Um, and what that allows us to do is we're, our large expense still is R&D. So we're constantly making updates, and and all of our partners get the latest update, no matter you know, no matter their size. And so basically, it, it spreads the cost around all the all all the museums, you know, hopefully. And, and the more museums we have, the more R and D we can do. Um, and then it also allows us to continue to manage it. So we have great project managers, and the project manager works from with the museum from. You know, the, the time the contract is signed to hopefully years and years and years later, um, making sure that everything's up to date, you know, everything's in the right place. Uh, you know, some of our, like one of our project managers, Hillary, who's also a co-founder, she's done an amazing job. And you can ask her about exhibits six months from now at any, you know, any of the museums that she manages and she can tell you what's going to be where. So, we really do become an extension of museum and, and again, a, a, an added resource. So we try to, you know, we'll go in and we'll say, what are the, some of the things you guys have wanted to do that you haven't been able to, either from a content perspective, an experience perspective, you know, and, and we'll, we'll do that. Like we'll, we'll come in and do that for you. So it's, in, again, a lot of this was from Nick explaining that we needed great content, we needed great management, things, you know, you know, museums are understaffed and overworked, so relying on them to, to update all these things isn't really fair to them. So how do we become the totally turnkey partner that, um, that allows, allows us to you know, help them be successful with this? And, and then as I sort of touched on earlier, getting buy-in from the whole museum is really, really key. So we'll have a short meeting with sort of the heads of all the departments, talk to everyone. We want everyone's input, get everyone excited about it. And then once you have that buy-in, it becomes sort of a, a collective energy that really helps propel the app to, to more success. You know, that, that's, uh, that, that's, that's really, really smart uh, on, on many levels. But you touched upon something that I think is, uh, again, uh, coming off of, of a great conversation with Nick uh, last week where he was talking about the consortium uh, uh, theory or the consortium process of bringing in a lot of museums and, and sharing you know, the wealth and expertise and, and uh, spreading costs uh, across a, a, a variety of things. I, I have always felt that one of the challenges that museums have faced is that, you know, we're a wonderful industry, but we're small. I mean, we're not aerospace uh, and we're not the military. And so, you know, we don't have that uh, level, that size that can really support the R&D efforts. And it sounds as if you have really hit upon something that no one else really has, which is you're not just a one-off. I mean, you are constantly right. learning. Yeah, we're. I mean, our in, within the next month, our our core platform, and we we built the Guru platform to be easily added to. It's really the foundation. We're continuing to build upon that foundation, and we constantly hear ideas that we'll implement and, and add features. So it's it's never done. We, we're not done creating the app. 
um, it will it will never be done. I guess as far as as far as we're concerned, and you know, we saw augmented reality being important early on, so we you know, we made a that part of our product uh, you know pipeline, and we added that. And that's been something that's been really really successful for us. But we've again we approach augmented reality as that we it can be a shiny ball, but how do we make experiences? Um, more meaningful and not just, you know, again, not just something shiny that, that people do for 10 seconds and forget about it. Um, and so we're constantly looking about, you know, what, what can we do next? How can we simplify, you know, the use? How can we add features? How can we make this more memorable? How can we add value to our partners, um, you know, from a you know, data collection experience? And one of the things that we're going to be able to do, which might, be creepy to some people, but you know, the museum or marketing executives love it. We're actually be able to tell our partners now where people were before they went to the museum, and then where they went afterwards. So, as far yeah. as understanding, yeah, understanding your visitor profile, we're able to help you with quite a bit. Um, wow, that's so, a, that's yeah, we're yeah, so no, we're, we're constantly the- focused on that and on, on, on how to make it better. That's that's amazing. Uh, I want to talk about that maybe a little bit more, so it doesn't sound so creepy. But we're going to right. take our second. We're going to take our second break, and when we come back, more with Paul Burke. Uh, remember, you can always reach out to me at carol.bossard at verizon.net or on Twitter at, at @musewrite. I love to hear from you every single week. You're the ones that have made this show move to uh, ten thousand downloads a month Uh, so thank you very very much Uh, that's a lot in this sector so stay tuned we'll be back in a moment this is carol bossert from museum life streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com Carol Bossert established CB Services LLC because she believes in the societal value of museums. Exhibitions are a primary way that museums deliver this value, providing places for exploration, renewal, and conversation. Good exhibitions begin with good content, and at CB Services, we are all about the content. CB Services helps organizations identify, shape, and document the ideas and stories that form the foundation of a successful exhibit. We provide tools that help our clients make good decisions throughout the exhibition development process and get the most out of collaborations with architects and exhibit designers. CB Services offers half-day and day-long workshops to get staff, boards, and communities ready for an exhibition project. Call today to schedule a workshop. CB Services also offers a one-hour free consultation to organizations no matter where they are in the exhibition development process. Visit carolbossertservices.com. Reach out to Carol through Twitter or LinkedIn or call her directly at 240-432-7712. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. 
Welcome back. Uh, I've been here today talking with Paul Burke of Guru that is a uh, has a partnership uh, type of business that provides digital content uh, to museums via a mobile a mobile app. Uh, location-based mobile app. I know I'm probably saying that uh, completely incorrectly. So, Paul, you can you can uh, correct uh, correct me. But uh, more importantly, right before we went on break, you said something that uh, that I think we need to delve into a little bit more. You said one of your one of the opportunities uh, that museums will have uh, through the app is to you know, sort of know where people have been and know where they're going to go next after the museum. Uh, that sounds a little Orwellian to me, and I mm-hmm. would be very suspicious. Now I understand I'm in that you know that that. Uh, uh, generation that gets suspicious about anything anymore, but but why don't you just share a little bit more about what that really means? Yeah, well, it's it's optional. It's not something you have to use. So if you don't want it, you don't have to use it. But uh, but actually, it's been made possible by uh, a partnership. We partnered with a an ad tech company uh, based in Southern California, and they do a couple hundred million dollars of revenue a year, and they saw. Uh, we actually we won a, an award with the San Diego Museum of Art recently when we were nominated for it. It was the Most Innovative Product uh, Award. And it was a big honor. We were up against several billion-dollar companies didn't think we had a chance to win. And so it was a sort of a big testament to, to us and to and San Diego Museum of Art, really, um, and their sort of forward, forward-thinking abilities. Um, but so this company, who's you know, very large, they saw what we were doing um, and approached us about a partnership, and they are partners with a lot of the largest you know, Walmarts, Targets, um, some of the largest companies in the world, and they are integrated into thousands and thousands of apps. So what they're able to, I mean, their whole business is data. So they've come, uh, we've created a partnership with them where they're able to help us create that that visitor profile much better because even if um, you know, someone doesn't have the music, you know, the standing museum of art app on their phone before they get there, they'll have some other app that these guys are integrated with. And um, so now, now we've been putting a lot of our resources into data analytics. And it's funny at MCN, there's a lot of jokes made because again, it's a lot of the data reporting is really, really poor. Um, you know, that, that most apps provide. So that's been one of our big R&D pushes. So um, we'll have a much more robust and real-time data reporting capabilities. And then again, part of that will be with this partnership with this other company, we will be able to tell you sort of where people are from, where they were before the museum, where they went after the museum. And if you're a marketing executive, that obviously is very valuable to you because you can really target your, your marketing, and and you get a lot more bang for your buck. Yes, uh, yes, and and I would say that that uh, not a, it's it's the it's the data, but it sounds as if what you're doing uh, with it uh, with this partnership is creating me you know collecting meaningful data, which I do think has been sort of the the joke um, you know so much so many. Uh, we can we can be buried by numbers, but trying to figure right. out what's, what's meaningful uh, and 
put a, what I like to say, put it, you know, turn numbers into faces so that we understand their, you know, their, their specific uh, qualities. One other thing that you talked to me about um, when we were, were getting to know each other, you were talking about capture rates. Uh, and, right. you know, and I, and I know that that has been something uh, for a long time, even 15 years ago when there were, you know, the ideas that people could, you know, download URL codes or smart codes or even barcodes uh, and then do something, you know, when they got home and that would be so wonderful. And when you, you know, scratch the surface, maybe 1%, if you were lucky, of people who came into the museum were, were actually taking advantage of, of this uh, I'm sure some of that's changed as you know more people have become more familiar with you know technology it's ubiquitous but you have pretty high capture rates don't you yes we do and, and you know I think most of the numbers I see that are sort of across museums zoos aquariums or cultural institutions in general uh, most of the numbers I've seen have been around an average of one and a half percent which by any means is is a major failure so from the beginning, we realized that the only way for this to be a sustainable business is if people were actually using it. No one's going to want to pay us for an app that no one uses, right? It's a, they, they could be putting that money back in education or something else. So um, we realized that that was really key. So we, we traveled around a lot, checked out a lot of different museums, tried to find the ones that were doing it somewhat successfully. Um, and then we... Did a little, had some consulting done for us too from you know experts in in how to uh, you know people who who know about like selling things at the point of sale at a grocery store for example it's like what what what's how do you compel people to do something you know at, as they're at the point of sale um, and then again our whole approach our partnership approach we actually it's very turnkey so we'll go in and we'll train your staff exactly how to talk about the app. Some places we don't use the word app at all. Uh, we have other things that we say that are much more effective because app has essentially become a little bit of a dirty word these days, especially with visitors and especially with younger people because they're inundated with them. Mm-hmm. So we really worked on our messaging to get across. It's an integral part of the museum experience, and you know it'll be better if you if you do this. And then we'll go as far as to create videos and animations that people, that museums can play um, if that's what they choose. And so we're seeing capture rates up to 60% uh, with our partners. And so that's, we've been very, very happy with that. And then even some of the ones that have, you know, their average may be 30 to 40%. We've done a lot of exit surveys, um, thousands of exit surveys at this point. Um, what we found is on average, over two people are using a single download. Uh, so even our partners were getting 35% on average, literally you know, over 70% of the people who are going to the museum are actually using and interacting with the app. Uh, so we, you know, we're, we feel very good about our approach. We have over a year of data, our apps being live at this point, and our capture rates are steadily increasing, uh, which has been, been positive as well. But it's, it's really due to, again, getting the whole museum on board, training, you know, making sure that it's being talked about, adjusting signage. And again, it's, we approach sort of everything at Guru the same way we approach R&D, which is the work's never done. We can always get better. One of the positions we plan on hiring for in 2017 is someone who literally only 
works with our partners on capture rates. So they're just going to travel around every one of our museum partners and figure out how to move the needle further. So we realize how important that is, and so that's why it's a very important part of our partnership. that's that really is interesting uh, to me, and it, one of the things that that occurs to me uh, is that even just a few years ago, uh, the the perhaps the the social use of handheld technology has we've become a much more sophisticated culture. I mean, we're mm-hmm. we're becoming much more. Um, uh, thoughtful in public spaces. You know, I hear, you know, there are fewer people that are carrying on loud conversations with their mother uh, on, you know, at, at a restaurant, for instance. You know, people are, are being thoughtful if they have to take a call and even an airport lobby. But the other thing to me that has, that has changed from a sociological standpoint uh, is that people use their phones collectively. And that was the point that you were making that, that really resonated with me. I had not, it's sort of a perception, you know, like I'll go someplace mm-hmm. with my husband and we'll be talking about, you know, maybe we're talking about a painting at a, at a museum and I'll say, take out your phone. I mean, I never take out mine. I make him look it up. <laughs> right. uh, but, but we're doing doing it together and it's part of a conversation that he and I are having right there in the museum. So I'm wondering, I, I mean, I, I'm not asked, thinking that maybe you have data on this, but is that part of, you know, we're just, we've hit it. You were talking about timing of, you know, the success of your business. I'm wondering, do you ascribe any of that to just where we are in the adoption cycle of a particular, um, you know, technology? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and even there's, again, a lot of it's luck, a lot of it's timing, and um, we do, as you're saying, we see people all the time in the museums. They'll have one phone out, and our content is driven around it being a little bit more social as well. So it's not, we, we, we're still trying to create a heads-up experience where, like the audio is telling you to look at this part of the painting and what do you think about this? That's asking questions and probing the, the visitor to think as well, which then can encourage you know, conversations if you're in a group. And then, you know, also you know, there was a, a big fear too that older generations, you know, would, would rebel against this. And at the beginning, what we saw was actually we were getting a much larger capture rate with older audiences than we were younger audiences. And again, which was went against everything everyone expected and again, it's because younger people were more inundated with apps. And one of the best stories I heard was right after we launched the San Diego Museum of Art app. And there was a lot of, you know, it was our first one. There was a lot of nerves around it. I was at a you know, board of trustees meeting, and the head of membership said, well, I've got a story I need to tell about the app. And I was like, here we go. We've insulted someone. Like, this is, it's, it's over before it starts. And she told the story. She said, we have an 80-year-old member who's been a member for 20-some years. She called and asked me to help her download the app and was so grateful because although she's been a member for 20 years and she loves the museum, she actually hasn't been able to get in the museum for five years. So she was so grateful that we created something that she could continue to engage the museum with. And so again, to to your point, I don't think that happens five, seven, ten years ago. You know, it's become so ubiquitous at this point that, you know, your 80-year-old grandmother is, you know, has a smartphone, and maybe she needs help downloading the app, but it's not a completely foreign idea at this point. 
that that is such a a, a wise uh, that's a great story. Uh, I wish my eighty year old mother was that technologically savvy, but it's okay. Um, you know, we're we're getting there. You know, one of the things that uh, I I heard a lot at MCN, and I wonder if if you did too, is that people were saying, you know, fi- finally, it is not about the technology anymore. Uh, right. You know, a lot of those the a lot of those headaches have been solved. Um, you know, I'm sure there are lots of new shiny things on the horizon, but it seems that maybe we've hit a certain plateau of there are certain technologies that we're going to continue to use. You know, the smartphone might look different in ten years, but we're probably going to have something like it. Uh, right. That's an exciting time for you to be right where you need to be. It, it is. We, we, we're hoping that's the case. And again, the, the whole luck of timing thing definitely helps. But I, even just from two years ago when I was at you know, AAM, there's just so much more noise and chatter in the space. And you've seen now a lot of other companies that were sort of fly-by-night companies. They've, they've gone away. There's a lot less players in the space. And now you're seeing people like Nick, who've been taught, you know, preaching the same thing for a while very, very wisely. There's so much less chatter that the, that the really knowledgeable voices are able to get through more, and people are really starting to see sort of what's, what makes sense and what doesn't. So, yeah, we're, we're really yes. excited about where the space is in general and, and what the future holds for, for us and, and for museums. Well, Paul, thank you so much for sharing this. It was really insightful for me, and it's a pleasure to uh, you know, uh, get to know you better and get to know your company better. Uh, thank you for being on the show today. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. And we will we'll be on next week with another edition of uh, Museum Life with a live guest, so stay tuned. Thank you very much. Uh, this is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. Thank you for tuning in this week to Museum Life. Please join your host, Carol Bossert, again next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What museum issue is on your mind? Tell Carol at carol.bossert at verizon.net.